the Montreal Canadiens select. The Montreal Canadiens are proud to select. Jesperi Kotkanemi. Noah Jules. Ryan Paling. Caulfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome to History in the Making, the official podcast of the Montreal Canadiens, focused on the future of the most storied franchise in pro sports. History in the Making is brought to you by Tricolore Sport, Montreal's official team store. From lifestyle brands to jerseys and beyond, Tricolore Sport has a style for every sports fan in your life. Head to tricolorsport.com right now and use coupon code HISTORYCH10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Visit tricolorsport.com today. We'll be joined a little later by our guest, OHL champion and Canadian's prospect, Cam Hillis. Uh, but first, as per usual, we're going to take a quick look around the world of Canadian's prospects to see who's doing well, who's not doing as well, and who is being dominant. And I trust me, this week, we're going to be using that word a lot. Before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to not just the frontline workers who we all know are doing an amazing job right now, considering the circumstances. Um, but everyone who's dealing with a hard time, we all know this is difficult. Uh, you're allowed to not feel great. And uh, listen, I understand if you're having a hard time right now. Hockey is back and that's great. It, it, it's fantastic for us. It's a necessary distraction. But if you are having a hard time, reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, my direct messages are always open. I won't have the solutions, but I promise I will listen to you. Now, the weekly wrap up. Um, there's this one guy I keep naming every single week, Sean Farrell. And I'm going to keep naming him until he stops dominating. But right now, still dominant. 17 games played, 10 goals, 22 assists. Uh, one of the most interesting aspects is he's finding a lot of chemistry with a top prospect for the next draft, my, uh, Matthew Coronado. And uh, to me, that shows that Farrell can play with elite talent. It's not necessarily a matter of one boosting the other up. We saw that with Caulfield and Hughes. It's a matter of whether or not you can click with that high-end player, whether or not you can execute at a high-end speed. So there's something to be said to be playing with talented players. It's not hard. It's not easy. You just need a certain type of player to be able to adapt to elite talent. And, and Farrell so far has been doing fantastic. We'll see what happens when he takes the next step. And we're actually going to get into that in the mailbag a little later. But so far, so great for uh, Farrell. Up next, we have Cole Caulfield. Uh, here's an update on him. Still dominant. He's playing at a, above a point per game uh, average, which is pretty much as good as you can expect in the NCAA. Let's keep in mind, it's a low scoring league. It's not, it's not somewhere we're going to get two points per game. Um, but what I think is very important in Caulfield's development is his complete game. You're seeing him back check. Uh, you're seeing him play, uh, anticipating the play a lot better, a defensive focus a lot more playmaking. That's not to say that his playmaking was bad, but you see him open up a lot of ice for his teammates this year. So all in all, I love the development curve for uh, Cole Caulfield. I think he's developing into an all-around player. And we know that's the key to making the NHL. And Caulfield said it himself. He won't make the NHL by just being a goal scorer. I mean, you could, but um, you're not going to get the advantage uh, of, of having the trust of your coach that to, to, to transition seamlessly into the NHL, you need to have that well-rounded game. And that's something that Caulfield's working on. It's something he's well aware that he needs to work on. And uh, it'll help him in his transition to the NHL. That, that, to me, is actually more important than the goals. Now, don't get me wrong. Love the goals. Keep the goals going. But right now, we're seeing Caulfield evolve into a complete player. And that, to me, quite exciting. Our next two prospects we're going to take a look at playing on the same team. First one, Jordan Harris, defenseman. Still dominant. Five goals, five assists in 11 games. 
ridiculous production at his level. Someone was asking me on Twitter the other day, I think they mentioned, uh, I believe it was Tori Krug that had had the same type of offensive uh, output in the NCAA. And, or no, sorry, sorry, sorry. It was Kale McCarr. My bad, my bad. Completely different player. But um, I don't expect him to keep it up. And I don't necessarily expect him to become a Kale McCarr because it's not fair to put that type of pressure on, on a prospect like Jordan Harris. Now, here's what I will say. And it's not fa- fair to Kale McCarr either, right? So, Let's forget the comparables for a minute because that's always difficult. What I do see in Jordan Harris is, again, a, a player that's taking care of his zone before he's worrying about the other zone. And once you do that, the offense tends to flow a little bit better. So we're seeing Jordan Harris evolve into, again, a well-rounded uh, player. And I feel like I have him a little higher on the prospect list than most people. Uh, I, I kind of throw him in there. I lump him in there with the, the Norlanders and the Romanovs and also the Strubles of the world. Uh, as the top Canadians defensive prospects, I really think Jordan Harris has a significant chance to make a big impact in the NHL. We're going to move a little further down the pairings. Not, not, we're going to stay in the same team, Northeastern. Jaden Struble, guess what? Still dominant. Uh, two goals, eight assists in 11 games. Praise from what I'm hearing. I talked to a lot of guys uh, in the college ranks, not just as coach, and they're saying he's got that aggressive yet smart style of play. So, He'll attack the rush, which I love seeing. It takes a certain level of trust with the coach to allow you to attack the rush. And what I mean by that is instead of collapsing at the blue line, we're talking, we talk about gap control. It's a buzz buzzword, right? So it's how much space you're leaving at the blue line to be effective whether or not you're intercepting a pass or you're trying to actually stop the player. Now, Struble throws that game plan completely out the window. He attacks the rush and players, offensive players often don't expect that. Now, it's a high risk play in the sense that if you miss, you're going to look really bad, but it's absolutely the best way to not defend. You don't want to spend time defending. You want to prevent time defending. And that's what Struble, I think, does so well. And the offense, obviously, is just extra goodness on top of that Sunday, that defensive Sunday of, of aggressive breaking up the play. So, I'm really loving what I'm seeing from that pair of uh, defensemen at Northeastern. Like uh, I, I Every week I look at them, I watch them play. I see them build confidence. Um, I see them build basically just an all-around skill set that, again, will transition into the NHL. These are guys that coaches love, and that's so important. They don't love them just because they're nice guys. They love them because what they bring to the, to, to the game, uh, their value to the team. So Struble and Harris, still dominant. We're going to go across the pond and actually talk about a uh, prospect we haven't spoken about yet on this uh, podcast, uh, Alexander Gardin or Gordon, uh, recent sixth round pick of the Canadians. Now he has a great shot. That's if you watch him play, like this guy has an NHL shot. Uh, it's incredible. His release is fantastic. He's got great accuracy. Uh, he needs to work on some parts of his game, particularly his skating. Okay. Uh, but the results have been very interesting so far. He's actually played in three leagues this year. So the KHL, the VHL, and the MHL. That's the equivalent of our NHL, AHL, WH, uh, CHL type of system. Um, he has 29 points to 32 games in the MHL with St. Petersburg. So great results. Uh, but as we said earlier, he's going to have to work on some aspects of his game. His skating needs to be improved. And I know it's funny coming from a Dorito warrior like me to say this, this, this athlete uh, needs to improve his skating, but uh, it will have to be improved. Now, the good news is that used to be essentially a death knell for, for, for players as if they couldn't skate. I remember pronouncing, and, and I, I'm pretty sure I deleted the tweets to look like uh, less of a terrible analyst, but I said once Mark Stone will never make the NHL because he can't skate. Uh, 
you know, Mark Stone, who um, is one of the best sport checkers in the NHL, just got named the captain of Vegas, uh, scores more goals than most NHL players. So just goes to show. And, and truth of the matter was he wasn't a good skater, but he worked on it. So there are ways to get over that. It's no longer a, a destruction of your potential to not be a great skater. You can work on it. It takes a lot of work, uh, a lot of dedication, but it won't prevent you from making the NHL. So that's something we're going to want to see with, uh, with Gardin is see him work on that skating a little bit, but he's got the shot and he's got the offensive instinct. So to me, and he's got the size too. So interesting prospect, long shot prospect, but he's got a lot of, lot of fun tools that could maybe one day transition to the NHL. We're going to jump right into the mailbag. We have another question here asking for Josh Brook, second round pick, considered an excellent prospect. What happened when he went to Europe? Where will he play this season? And what does his future look like? Um, I'll pull out my crystal ball here for a moment and try to figure out what his future looks like after we talk about what happened in Germany. So obviously, Brook, uh, he had a positive test and he had to stay out of action. He had to be quarantined. And he played one game when he came back. He had an assist, played about 20, 25 minutes. And the entire league was put on hold. So that's where essentially where Brook is at right now. He's going to play in Laval, most likely. Uh, play an important role in Laval. And the key for Josh Brook this year is building confidence. There was probably too much uh, in terms of expectations when it came to Brook. I still think he's got NHL potential, but he just needs to focus up on the task at hand, which is playing key minutes in the AHL. This year, he'll probably have a very important top four role. Uh, we might see him have a little more special teams usage. So it'll be a really good year to evaluate to see where Brooke is at. But uh, I think he just needs a little bit of time. Uh, I still consider him a good prospect. And uh, as per usual, we need patience when it comes to prospects. Athletico Habs asks, in the future, which of Kutkinemi slash Suzuki do you see having the best on-ice connection with Cole Caulfield? My answer is yes. I think anyone will have a connection with Cole Caulfield because the advantage here is that this is a guy that finds open ice. And if we go back to the podcast we had with Caulfield, he explained it to us really well. It's that, yeah, going in front of the net, doing the Gallagher, it, it pays off. First of all, you're going to eat a lot more lumber. Your shins are going to be bruised. But there's also value of not being right in front of the net, of finding that open ice. That Remember the goal Josh Henderson scored against the Toronto Maple Leafs? That's the type of goals that we're seeing from Cole Caulfield, except for he's creating them himself. He's, he's perhaps not playing with the high level of teammates that can set up those plays. So he's really the driving factor. Uh, I think a guy like Kutkinemi will be able to find him that ice. We've seen Kutkinemi being a lot more aggressive this year, uh, a lot faster. And I do think he has underrated playmaking. So finding open ice is something I think Kutkinemi will be, built, will be able to build upon. But on the flip side, Nick Suzuki's creativity is next level it's, it's like the next generation of creativity so i think that that'll be important as well in terms of finding open ice a guy like suzuki who has that ability to find the cross ice pass we've seen it with tatar so many times on the power play that'll be really fun for cole caulfield so either or uh i think maybe caulfield would probably mesh a little bit better with suzuki but i think they'll both get an opportunity and uh, it also depends on the other winger but both of them well suited uh and never forget, Caulfield brings that all-important element of having that amazing shot and that ability to find the open eyes. So as much as those guys will help, he'll help them too. And finally, uh, we have a question from Brian. Yes, if Sean Farrell, hey, our favorite prospect, uh, continues to do well, what do you think the next step in his development will be? Uh, and he says, thanks for doing this. Love the podcast. First of all, 
compliment the podcast and I'll get your, I'll get your question on it. I guarantee you, I'm a sucker for that. Now, the next question, uh, if he continues to do well, what's the next step? He was slated to go to Harvard uh, this, this year. Obviously, the uh, Ivy League schools have been put on hold right now, their, their, their sports programs. So the next step will be going to the NCAA, uh, seeing exactly what skills he needs to work on. It's a gigantic step. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit later in our podcast uh, when we're talking to our guests, the differences between jumping from, let's say, the USHL to the NCAA or uh, from the CHL to, to, or sorry, from prep school to the CHL and then the AHL gigantic steps you lose that extra second you have to work with x's and o's uh when we were speaking to i spoke to Jaden struble this summer and i asked him what was the biggest difference he said in the ushl we didn't really have game plans we didn't have x's and o's once we were in the in, in ncaa that's where the x's and o's really came into play so he's gonna have to learn how to play in a strategy uh you know driven uh formation he's gonna have to learn how to play within uh, his defensive limits as well, too, because you can't just be scoring goals. You have to take care of your own ice. So huge, big step when he's going to jump to the NCAA. I really think he has the skill to do it because he has that offensive talent. So he's going to get the opportunity. He's going to have to learn how to be much more responsible in his own zone. And he's going to have to learn. It's kind of a re-education of a player once you jump to the NCAA is how to play within that strategy. That's the most important thing. And this goes from, it doesn't matter if it's Farrell, I mean, or Caulfield. Just learning to play within a system is a big, big, big deal. You need to know when the puck's there, why am I here? And there's instinct to it, but there's also a lot of learning. So for Sean Farrell, the next step is absorbing as much info as possible. Smart kid, though, with a great shot. So I think he does have an ability, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, he does quite well in the NCAA. Now, if you have questions about the future of the franchise, don't forget, uh, we'll answer them every week. Uh, this week, it's in English, so history in the making. La semaine prochaine, ça va être en français. L'histoire s'écrit. So don't hesitate to send your questions in English or in French. You can tweet them to the Montreal Canadiens account. Uh, use the hashtag Mark's Mailbag or en français, demande à Dumont. And uh, you just might get your questions answered on our next episode, especially if you compliment me, just like Brian did. We'll be right back with our guest, uh, none other than Cam Hillis, OHL champion, former captain of the Guelph Storm and Montreal Canadiens prospect who signed his entry-level contract this summer. By now, I'm sure you've seen those gorgeous retro jerseys the Canadians will be rocking this summer, the blue. I remember at first, I was a little hesitant to love them. I, I've seen them. I've seen them in person. They are gorgeous and uh, you can get them. They're on sale right now at cutoffsball.com. Gear up and get yours today. We're speaking with OHL champion, former Guelph Storm captain and Canadians third round pick Cam Hillis. First off, thank you very much for joining us. Well, Welcome to the show, Cam. Thanks for having me on. You signed your entry-level contract with the Canadians, and, and you're actually in the running with a few other talented prospects for that same contract. We all know contracts are limited. How does it feel to get that vote of confidence from the organization? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great day signing that contract. Um, I think, you know, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears were, were put into that year, and um, there's a lot of great players in that draft, so I was just fortunate to... Uh, be able to sign the contract 83 points in 62 games in your final year with the storm and and we can say it was a bounce back year more than just the points but for those that aren't aware of your style of play what do you bring to the table can you describe yourself as a hockey player yeah i'd say i'm a competitor out there um i'm smart um i'm not the biggest guy on the ice but i think i make up for it with you know how hard i work and um try to be a, a setup guy for my teammates and i uh, can also score score some goals too 
You use that term smart and it's a term we hear a lot with prospects. Now it's actually a term we heard, we didn't hear that much back in the day, but it's something that the Canadians focus on. Can you explain to me what, what, what that means? Is it hockey IQ? Is it vision? What does being smart as a hockey player really mean? Yeah, I think it's all, all sorts of things. Like you said, the vision, um, the hockey IQ, just being able to, to see you guys out there, read the plays. I mean, the game's so fast now, you got to think uh, a step ahead of guys. And um, I think, you know, it'll, it'll help you in the long run if you're able to, to think the game a little faster. And that's something I've always taken pride in, is just, you know, being a student of the game and um, trying to learn as much as I can and um, put it forth on the ice too. You've been through a lot, I'd say, in your junior hockey uh, career. Um, how did you maintain a healthy state of mind throughout the whole thing? Uh, I wouldn't say it was that hard. I mean, I did go through some ups and downs, but every player does. Um, I think just my, my passion for the game, my love for the game um, kept me going each day. And um, I mean, when you, when you love the game and, and you want to get better each day, it uh, makes things easier. As an athlete, it must be rather hard, though, being kept away from the game you love, right? Like, I mean, let's face it. There's nothing harder for an athlete to be in a position where you can't help and you want to, right? So, I mean, how do you maintain that focus in, in those times where, where you just simply, you're physically unable to help? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a tough last stretch here, just not being able to be on the ice as much mm. and, you know, playing the season. Um, but like I said, I think it goes back to just focusing on the end result, uh, taking care of the process and just going by day by day, just doing what you can, um, you know, working out. Like I was fortunate, I was able to, to work out at my gym for the first part of quarantine in my basement. And then uh, my training opened up and was able to stay opened up um, throughout the remainder of the quarantine. So I was fortunate with that. So, I mean, you just kind of, you got to find like little tidbits where you're a little more fortunate than most people out there. Um, I mean, pandemic is is much bigger than hockey so um just you know you gotta take things for take things with a grain of salt and just make sure that you're, you're grateful for each day that's a really interesting approach because uh you know as you say there are a lot of things that are more important than hockey right now let's let's talk about some of those things um at the end of a long playing career stuff like charity is the stuff that you'll really remember and i mean that's what matters you've launched the hillis foundation uh can you explain the goal and the project and, and why it's so important for you to uh, be part of it yeah it was really exciting for me to uh to launch that this year that's something i've kind of been thinking about for the last couple of years i think it really started when i didn't get to play in our, our big championship run um for the memorial cup and um, i was talking to steph karate um, she's our media relations person in Guelph and she kind of helped me come up with the idea where we can, uh, help get as many kids, you know, playing sport that don't get that opportunity. So we've partnered with jumpstart with Katie and Tyre and our goal right now is just to help as many kids as we can get into sport and, and do something they love. Like you said earlier, we're privileged. And I mean, I'm privileged, you're privileged. Um, obviously in hockey, it takes a certain level of that privilege to get in now. So how do we obviously there's foundations like yours, but how do the normal people help out in that respect to get these kids playing again? Um, well, like I said, we, we part, we partner with jumpstart. So, mm -hmm. um, there's links in, in our social media where you can donate, um, to the foundation. And, um, we've done some initiatives along the way. Um, but we've got some more things planned for this year. It's just been tough with, with COVID and, and doing as much as you can. So, um, this year should be, should be more interesting and, and hopefully uh, when things settle down with the cases and everything, we can, we can start putting more out there. 
You talked about the training during COVID. I mean, things, yeah, they've been different. So did you take any time off? Like some guys took a, a week to watch Netflix and, and, you know, and, and eat Doritos. Some guys hit the, the gym or tried to find someone's garage. As you said, you had the basement. How was it for you dealing with uh, keeping in shape while not being able to go out, not being able to train, not being around your family too, because we have to keep that in mind, right? Hockey's a big family. These guys are like brothers to you, you know, the people in the management is like brothers and sisters to you. So um, how was your approach to this whole pandemic training, getting ready for taking the biggest step of your life as well? Yeah, I knew um, kind of going into this year that it was going to be a big year for me. And um, I think at the start of of quarantining and when um, the season was canceled I took about a month off and just just kind of let my body recover and then I was right back at it um, training in my basement and then when my gym opened up I was able to go back there and I didn't start skating I think until three or four months in because the rinks were all closed and there was not a whole lot of access to ice so um, that was probably the toughest part but um, it, it got a little tedious at times but I mean like I said you just got to keep pushing through it and um, it's, it's nice to, to kind of almost come full circle here and, and, uh, get the season underway soon. You didn't hit the ice for four months. Yeah. Or actually longer, that. right? Yeah. One thing you had told me at the rookie tournament, uh, in Belleville last year, you had spoken about, you, you've seen a sports psychologist before, right? Yeah. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. What's, what was the value there? And what did you, if you feel comfortable talking about it, listen, I know it's a very personal subject, um, but I do know that a lot of players, a lot of people, a lot of fans do struggle with mental health. So what was the value of that? Not just in sports, but in your everyday life? Um, I think everyone, you know, goes through different struggles. And um, I think if you can have someone to talk to and um, just kind of work on your mental side, that's, that's becoming more prominent in the game nowadays is, you know, working on your, your mental skills. So, um, I just, I just use a guy to, to kind of keep me sharp and, and see where I can get ahead in the game. And, um, I think it's, it's worked wonders for me over the years. It's still considered a little bit of a taboo subject. Do some of your teammates come up and ask you for a number once in a while or ask you for tips here and there? It's starting to become mainstream, which is very good. Very important. Mental health is so crucial. Uh, but again, sometimes it's spoken in whispers. So have you had anyone come up to you and ask you for some tips uh, about how to maybe get some help in that respect? Um, I haven't really personally, I think it's, it's more of a, a personal matter for some guys. Like they'll take it on themselves if they're, if they're up to it. Um, but I mean, it's, it shouldn't be something that's kind of in the dark. I mean, a lot of guys go through struggles, uh, with the game outside of the game. And, um, it's important that if they want to get help, they can get help. So I think a lot of guys are, are taking matters into their own hands now and doing something about it. Well, I thank you for being really honest about that because it's not an easy subject to approach, but as we know, it is crucial. So let's move on. Um, right now, are you, li you're living, it kind of look, you're living on your own right now, right? Yeah. So you're in snowy, you're in snowy Montreal right now? Yeah. A little bit of a snowstorm today. <laughs> okay. Snowstorm. First of all, this, so you, you, you were with the Billet family, right? In, in Guelph? Yeah. So you're cooking for yourself now, right? Yeah, my mom uh, froze a few meals for me, so I've been I've been lucky the the first couple of days here, but I might have to start cooking something eventually. Okay, because I was gonna ask you, how's your because all hockey guys know how to cook is chicken breasts. I mean, that's that's all they really yeah. like pasta and chicken breasts. Okay, so mom is covering the meals for now. 
Yeah, she's she's got me for now, which I'm lucky. She's a great cook. <laughs> okay, yeah, and and she has foresight too. She's obviously uh, very wise. What are you going to start doing once mom's food runs out? Because I mean, I'm already worried for you. So what's the game plan there? <laughs> well, I, honestly, that's something I did during the quarantine a lot too. Was was cook with my mom. So I'm hopefully I can take a few of the recipes I learned with her and um, maybe use them this year. So, so crucial off ice training with your mother is, is, yeah. is how that went down. We'll be back shortly right after this break. History in the Making is brought to you by Tkadoff Spall, Montreal's official team store. From lifestyle brands to jerseys and beyond, Tkadoff Spall has a style for every sports fan in your life. Head to tkadoffspall.com and use coupon code HISTORYCH10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Visit tkadoffspall.com today. We're back with Canadians prospect Cam Hillis and Cam, um, I think by now we know things are going to be different in the season, but there's one really interesting aspect is that the Laval Rocket are going to be playing at the Bell Center this year. Um, now, obviously, you're going to be part of that team. You're going to be an important part of that team. How much do you look forward to, 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 to putting on the jersey? And obviously, there's no fans right now, but there's still the banners. There's the history. How much do you look forward to playing at the Bell Center? Yeah, it's a, it's a storied organization. Um, I mean, I'm... I'm very fortunate to be part of the organization and I'm really looking forward to, to getting the season underway. It's, it's been so long, but I think just some I'm looking forward to most is just playing a game and being on the ice with the guys. You've dealt with Joël a few times. I know in Belleville, uh, obviously you were playing in a different league for your junior hockey. What's your perception of your, uh, your coach? And, and I mean, he's going to watch this, so you got <laughs> to make yeah. sure that it's nice, but Hey, listen, I, we all know that he's a no BS kind of guy. So what are you looking forward to uh, working with uh, Joël Bouchard? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to, to learning as much as I can. I know he's a great coach and uh, it'll be my first year um, playing for him. And I'm just learning. I'm just looking forward to, to soaking up as much as I can and, uh, they got a great coaching staff, so I'm really looking forward to it. You chose to go the route after uh, playing for St. Andrews. Now, there used to be a perception with prep schools that you don't draft prep school players. Let's be honest. You let them go in the NCAA and maybe you can sign them. That perception has changed now, but a lot of guys still go the NCAA route from St. Andrews. Why did you choose to go the USCHL route? Originally, I was going to go NCAA, but uh, things changed over over my year at St. Andrews, I saw a lot of development in myself and um, Guelph had drafted me in the OHL draft. So um, I just saw a lot of opportunity there and um, I knew they wanted me pretty badly. So I thought that it was the right opportunity to move there. And um, I'm pretty happy with my decision. Yeah, I'd say so. OHL champion, you ended up as the uh, captain of the Guelph Storm. So not bad at all. Uh, what was the biggest difference between, between playing uh, prep school versus CHL. For example, a lot of the guys that played NCAA, um, they'll say the USHL is kind of just a practice league. You don't really do X's and O's. I think prep school is a little different, but what's the difference? What was the biggest difference jumping from prep to uh, the CHL? I think it's more of a, a pro game style. Um, I learned a lot from my, from my coaches on, you know, the habits you need at the next level. Um, so I think just uh, taking my year at St. Andrews, I learned a ton from um, Dave Manning and, and the coaching staff there. And um, just moving up to, to Guelph, I think uh, I really took advantage of the opportunity. I worked with some some great coaches and uh, I was you know really, really fortunate to, to be with some of the guys there. Obviously, like you said, a championship team, um, just just seeing that experience and, and being with the guys and, and being on the ice and just growing over the last three years. I think I was really fortunate with my with my decision to go to Guelph. 
you ended up in Guelph playing with a certain player that now plays for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, actually, I don't know if you played a ton with him. Were you ever on Nick Suzuki's line? Uh, I think a few shifts just before I got hurt in the last Who, who was center? Was it you or Nick? I think I was playing center for a bit. Good. You defer. Yeah, you defer to the captain, obviously. Okay, first of all, are you surprised to see, you know, his success, finding success, Suzuki's success in the NHL so quickly? Um, not really. I mean, he was pretty dominant force, uh, in the OHL and, um, he's got the pro game and, uh, he really works hard on his game. So I'm really happy to see him have, uh, this most success so far. What was it like? I know you said it was only a few shifts, but I mean, you practiced with him, you, you, you were around him. What was it like being around a player of that caliber? I mean, let's be honest. There's a reason he went in the first round, right? He, that's an elite talent. So what was it like playing with a, a player of Nick Suzuki's caliber? Yeah, he's obviously a, a special talent. Um, you kind of try to watch him, um, just pick up on little things he does. And uh, even when I wasn't playing, just kind of watching him uh, throughout the games, he was he was a guy I was able to look to and kind of uh, find, find some things in my games and um, just learn from him. So like I said, he's, he's a great player and uh, I was happy to play with him. What do you look forward to most this season? Um, I know you want to get back on the ice, but in terms of your actual development as the player, every player has weaknesses, every player has strengths. What do you want to improve the most in your first year as a uh, professional hockey player? Uh, I think just getting the experience. Um, I mean, it's like I said, it's my first year playing pro and um, I don't want to really dip, dip my toe when I kind of want to make a big splash and um, you know learn as much as I can from the coaching staff and um, just build my game. What would you say is your greatest strength right now? Uh, I'd say my smarts. Uh, I think I think the game pretty well. Yeah, and we talked about the intelligence level there. Is that something, it's something you're born with, right? Or is it something you develop? Because it's not just natural intelligence. It's anticipating the play. Like, how do you improve anticipating the play? Is it something that you're born with or is it something that you can acquire? Uh, I don't know. I think everyone's different. I think I just, you know, I've watched a lot of hockey over the years and uh, watched different players and, um, how they play the game. And um, I think just having that knowledge and, and being a sponge has kind of helped me develop my hockey IQ over the years. A sponge. I love that. I love that term. And coaches are going to love that term too. So who would you compare yourself to? I know, and that's tough to say, right? But who would you compare yourself to uh, current NHL players right now? I don't really know if you can compare yourself. I mean, everyone's a different player, but um, the guy I've watched over the years, last year is Braden Point. Uh, he's, he's done a lot in the league. Um, and uh, he just plays a game with great pace and he thinks the game really well. So I look up to him too. Um, when discussing a player like Point, you know, I mean, you talked about size earlier. Do you see that as a huge drawback anymore? Uh, you know, it used to be if you weren't six foot one, people were ignoring you. Is it really an issue anymore? No, I don't think so. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys that are smaller stature in the league now and uh, they've been able to do some pretty special things. So I don't think it's an issue anymore. What was it like? One of the questions I get the most is, what's it like being a Canadian's prospect? Now, guys give me different answers. But first of all, um, what's it like with the fans online? Do you, do you Are you a Twitter, Instagram kind of guy? or I've been staying away from the social media, uh, to be honest. Smart man. Wise beyond your years. Um, okay, let's talk about the development angle. How often do they call? How often do they talk to your coach? What's it like being a Montreal Canadiens prospect? Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's a great franchise, obviously, the original six. And um, 
they're just, you know, a great organization, great organization to be a part of. Um, so they've been great with my development, um, checking in with me all the time and just making sure things are good on my end. So um, there's no complaints from me and just happy to, to hear from the guys a lot. Is it more of a like, hey, how are you doing? Or is it more of a, hey, we noticed you doing this. We'd like you to do this. Like, do they give tips or do they kind of shy away from that? What, if you can give me the answer, I know it's not always public information, but what type of advice do they give in these phone calls? Like how, do, how does that go? Yeah. I mean, everyone's always watching. So it's just tips on uh, your game and uh, things they want to see you do better and things you're doing well. So that kind of thing. And is there, obviously there's added pressure being, but what's it been like in terms of, uh, being a, a Canadian's prospect and uh, you know you say everyone's watching do guys check you a little harder are guys a little rougher on you when you're playing out there I know a lot of guys that get drafted say hey I get hit a lot more once I get drafted and I'm in the junior uh, junior rank so how's it been in terms of people like targeting you on the ice has that been an issue no not really for me I mean I've just been I haven't really noticed it too much it's been just like any other game to be honest like just you kind of worry about yourself on the ice and, and help your team win and that's that's all you can really focus on Next year, uh, or this year, actually, uh, playing with the Laval Rocket, what is, we talked about your goals and what you want to work on your weaknesses. Is there a point total you want to hit? Is there, uh, you know, a level, a role in the organization you want to hit, like a top six player, or are you just kind of just there for the experience? Uh, you want to take that nice first step. Like, what's your overall game plan at the end of the year? Where do you want to end up? Uh, I don't know. I think those are some conversations I'll have with the coaches. I mean, I'm not going to... Um, really share much about that. I think I'll keep that between myself and the coaches. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to this year and making a, a big splash. That's the exact same answer as Joel Bouchard would give me. Uh, he said that'll be between me and the players. So one of these days I'm going to crack one of you guys, but so far you're doing really good. Okay. I'm going to throw some uh, quick fire questions at you and I'd love an answer, a quick answer. Don't think too much. That, that's how we get the good, the good, uh, the good answer. So who is your favorite player of all time? Uh, I'd say Mitch Marner. Okay. Uh, who, 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 oh, okay. Then that way, in that case, who was your favorite team growing up? Um, <laughs> it's a tough question. I think I know which, go, say I, don't again? Know. I don't really have a favorite team to be honest. I switched all the time growing up. So, oh, okay. So you were one of those that were you just following yeah. the winners or were you just following players or? Yeah. I, I liked the, the teams that, that made a big run in the playoffs. So I was usually following the, I was a bandwagon. I'd say growing up a little bit. Okay. Hey, at least you're admitting it. That's good. So did you, who was your favorite Canadians player? Have you had a, I know you're, you, you missed out on the, the dynasty years, but was there a Canadians player that sticks out to you when you think about the Montreal Canadians, which player uh, comes to mind? Uh, right now, I think just from the last several years, I think Gallagher, um, comes out just, he's been, he's been a great impact of the team. And, um, you know, a big pillar in the franchise. Did you get a chance to watch their opening game? The Canadians opening game, by the way, against the uh, Toronto police. I know you're busy, so it's not always possible, but did you get a chance? Yeah, I did. What do you think about the current team? I'd love to get your opinion on this. Yeah, they look great. I mean, um, they're, uh, they're a strong force out there. They had, they had a great first game. Unfortunately, it didn't work out in the end, but um, they look really good this year. And um, I think they're going to be a strong force coming down the road here. Who would you like to play with most on your line? Like it could be anyone. It could be going back to Stan Makita. It could be uh, a guy that's going to get drafted next year. Who would be your ideal left winger and right winger? Um, I think I'd put Crosby. Um, 
And maybe I put Marner on there too. Two, two so, but guys. Crosby would be on your wing though, right? Yeah, or maybe I'll let him take some face-offs. He's pretty good at that. Okay, you'll be generous and you'll let Sidney Crosby take some face-offs. I like that. Okay, um, who would you like to play against the least? And I have a feeling I know the answer here, but which player strikes fear in you when he's coming down the ice? Like, which player are you like, oh, here he comes? Well, McDavid's the obvious answer, but I think uh, I might say Dustin Bufflin. He's when he was in the league, he was, he was a big force, so he's a big body. So he wouldn't go around you. He would just go through you. Yeah. That's that. That's yeah. the worry with Dustin. Eh? Okay, fair enough. Can you do me a favor and describe Nick Suzuki in three words or less? Uh, intelligent, um, fast, um, playmaker. I like that. I would have. I would have. I would have gone on and on and on. The fact that you kept it to three words was pretty. Uh, pretty good there. So, and finally, uh, any message for Habs fans who are excited to see you that maybe don't know a lot about you or are just anticipating your start? What would you like to say to the Montreal Canadiens fans? Yeah, just I know you guys have been patient. It's been uh, it's been a long wait for all of us, but um, we're excited to to get back and get the season going, and um, we're glad we have you on our side. Perfect. Thank you so much, Cam. I appreciate you joining the show and uh, good luck this season. Can't wait to see you get going at the uh, Bell Center with the Rocket. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that you take the time to listen to this podcast. Don't forget to rate it, share it, and all those other things people on YouTube tell you to do. Uh, And also, let us know. Let us know what you want to see, what you want to hear, who you want us to talk to. This is your podcast, Habs fans, so we're going to do exactly what you want within reason. Um, Next week, we're going to be jumping, as per usual, en français. Ça va être l'histoire s'écrit. That'll be our French podcast. And the following week, we're going to jump back into English. So as per usual, français, anglais, français, anglais. Uh, This is available wherever you get your podcasts. And like I said, please let me know what you like, what you don't like, and don't forget to rate it. We'll see you next week, everyone. Salut.